This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to create amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I am Alan from Pixel Partners HQ, and here is my fabulous co-host, Greg, the one and only Greg from Studio One Design. How are you, man? I'm awesome. We're just in January 2018, kicking off the year. We are. We are. We've had some scorcher weather here in Sydney, 47 degrees Celsius, 115 degrees Fahrenheit. For those in the US suffering through a deep freeze at the moment. But that is like the hottest temperature recorded in Sydney on record since, what, 19... 30 or something? Oh, there was some dispute about this. So they said in the west of Sydney, it was the hottest temperature in 138 years of recording the temperature in oh, that wow. particular suburb. But they discovered that there was a hotter temperature recorded in the southwest maybe 30 or 40 years ago. So, What do you do to keep cool, you and your family? Man, we had to actually visit my aunt who doesn't have air conditioning. So <laughs> it, it was hot. We swim or we stay in air conditioning. But yeah. at that temperature, even with the air conditioning on full, it's still pretty hot. Mm, yeah. Well, it's been a bit hot down here, but not as hot. So all good. I think I got to 41 the other day. Nice. nice. Yeah. Now, before we get into our topic, what have you been up to, my friend? Well, I just wanted to talk about this last week, actually, but didn't get a chance. And that is, I created a video at the end of last year, just before the Christmas break, to just for my team, essentially. And I just went over some of the milestones that we that we reached and, and just reviewed the year um, in form of me, just face-to-camera video, just, you know, blurting it all out. And I just loved doing it, and I got... It was really well received from the team and I just wanted to mention that. So if you know if you're a business owner listening and you just want to show your gratitude for your team, they really appreciate it, especially if it's in a face to camera kind of video or in a in an office environment, you might want to do it in person. <laughs> Look, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. I know one client that we have does a year in the year in review video every year and mm-hmm. plays it at their their Christmas party, and it's it's a certain amount of serious stuff, so milestones that they hit and changes in the business, but it's also a sort of collation of some of the fun things that have happened through the years. So I think it's an awesome idea. Nice, yeah. And look, I visited the team last year, you know, at the start of the year, so I talked a bit about that and talked about the fact that visiting them, you know, from my point of view was amazing but what I didn't realize until I went there was that they hadn't really met each other either so uh, you know for them to create their own relationships amongst themselves was the surprise takeaway that I just absolutely loved Um, and we also had a uh, one of our designers actually pass away last year in April which was devastating for the whole team so obviously you know we talked about that a bit as well but um, yeah, that, that was a real shock to the system. It took you know one of them, one of the designers in our team was best mates with this guy, and uh, yeah, he got cancer within three months. He was gone. Yeah, that's devastating, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, let's um, let's cheer things up a bit. What have you been up to? Uh, really, it's just been sort of head down and and. Focus on rapid deployment of our 2018 plans. You know, we sort of talked about strategies last episode of, you know, what we're going to do to make 2018 great. But I think one of the things that that often happens with business owners and and entrepreneurs 
entrepreneurial-minded people is they make plans, but they don't necessarily take action steps straight away. It, a plan is something for the future, not something for now. So I'm and, and I'm at fault of that at a huge level. You know, it's very easy for me to make plans and then blink, and a month has gone by without significant action. Now that doesn't mean the plan doesn't come into reality but often once you start in hindsight you wish you'd started earlier so that's that's what i've been up to is really just you know nailing the things that need to move forwards uh, sooner rather than later and resetting essentially having a break yeah well i mean i think it's uh, it's uh, you know what i really want to do is i want to try and make it so that i can have more breaks more often through my years so i'm you know letting go of more every every month so mm. that, you know the, the the business has its systems and its processes and works really smoothly with or without me i love that man yeah that's cool that's a good goal to have yeah we have somebody that we're going to get onto this podcast interview uh, in the coming months sean d'souza he takes three one month vacations every year without fail and uh, yeah, it's got a killer podcast called The Three Month Va- Vacation. You should listen to it. <laughs> really cool. Yeah, and and look, honestly, to a certain extent, my business has been like that for a very, very long time. But we, I mean, we've spoken about it. I had some significant changes in our structure this year, and we changed a few team members. And you know, that's just like any business. To get to that point where you can take your three month holiday, you have to do the groundwork first. That's it, exactly. Yeah, and you can't do it without a team. Teams are yeah. one of those crucial things that everybody, every business needs. Once you get past the stage of reaching your, you know, your your ceiling of the amount of hours you can work, then it's time to grow. Definitely, definitely. And and we're going to kick into a topic this week, which you know can help catapult your twenty eighteen and moving forwards, yeah. which is a review based on a fabulous blog post by <laughs> Greg Merrilies of the highest performance website design trends in 2018 and greg i've read this blog post and it is fantastic so i just can't wait thanks man do you want to sort of give give us a start off and and, yeah and tell us where this is how this all came about and you know where all these tips come from and then we'll hit the tips yeah absolutely well for a start these are the type of trends that if you implement you'll get well, more likely you'll get higher conversions from your website. That, so that's kind of, there's a lot of blog posts out there that have, you know, the latest trends and all that. And I've studied probably 20 of them. And they're mixed between, you know, some really good ideas and some trends that we've got in here as well. But also they have trends that are going to affect your conversions like parallax effects where they're just too overpowering or like, you know, really bad navigation ideas that aren't traditional and people aren't used to them and things like that. So this trend blog post that we that we put together and we only put it together yesterday by the way so i mean it's been a week in the making but yeah it's only gone live yesterday so it's quite fresh and when you think about the fact that there's over 1.3 billion websites online today and that's twice as many as 2013 it's extremely important to be more memorable in a noisy online world so therefore if you follow some of these trends you're going to see that you know there's there's ways that you can stand out and be more memorable. Look, absolutely. And it's interesting, just when we were off air, we were talking about the difference in design trends and website performance and website conversion trends, which mm. are very, very different, right? Yeah. And one of my comments to you, and we'll get to this later in the in the episode, is a couple of these things that were previously trendy on 
on websites, I'm really glad to see the tail end of. <laughs> I, I just, you know, for a moment when they were first trendy, I sort of thought, oh, that's cool. But, oh, really, um, I'm glad to see that, that they've gone away. Yeah, exactly. And look, I'm the same. And I think the reason that most trends evolve or, you know, started from scratch is because designers, like web designers, they get bored with seeing the same old thing and they want to push the boundaries and, you know, they want to create new things. But that doesn't mean that they're always good for conversion. So, you know, realistically, you want to be you want to be seen as being current and up to date, but you want to pick your trends carefully. And we'll go through you know, some of these trends that are good and we'll also mention the ones that aren't good anymore. Hey, listen, and, and I'm just going to defend the designers here, right? I don't think it's just that the designers get bored. It's that clients come demanding something new and fresh. So, you know, if you have a really well-designed website and it has all the key elements, you can redesign it, have it look a little new and fresh, but often they want the trendy design things that that are that are coming out in the market added to it even if it's not beneficial for their for their website that's a very good point yeah it's not always the designers but i think you know the the website owners don't create trends they follow trends but website designers create trends yes that's what i'm saying yeah yes yeah no i i agree i get what you're saying it's it's yeah. All right. So, where do we where do we kick this off? Should yeah. we should we start at the top? Yeah. Look, we do have twelve. I don't know if we're going to get them all done in this episode. We'll see how we go. So, number one is just having a unique brand personality. Okay. And by the way, if you go to, we should mention the blog post that uh, you know people might want to sing along with us as we're as we're talking about them. If you go to studioonedesign.com slash website design trends in 2018 that rock if you can remember all that or just uh, do a search on studio1design.com for 2018 it'll come up there right but yeah number one is have a unique brand personality and so what we're talking about here is be like get away from all of the the stock imagery and website templates and boring generic content that even artificial intelligence algorithms can create these days they can be you know copywriters these days so you want to be unique everything on your website needs to be unique to your business from your copy to you know the use of color to typography photography you know illustrations video animation and all of the branding design elements throughout the website they all play an important part to keep the look and feel unique to your business so if you want to make a visual impact and not look like everybody else this is a good way to go about it i absolutely agree i think your website has to have its own voice as part of your branding exactly and it doesn't have to necessarily fit directly into the box of your corporate brand guidelines, right? Because your corporate brand guidelines are there as a higher level, and this is part of your brand. The website needs to resonate with the person viewing it. And I think quite often a lot of companies just sort of go with the right colour scheme and a few photos you know, scattered through that are part of their brand, but they don't turn that into something truly unique. Yeah, absolutely. And you do want it to align with your, your you know, core brand uh, message and, and what it stands for. But yeah, you can definitely push the boundaries. I mean, a website's not static. It's something that can always evolve. So yeah, you might want to test some, some various things and, and give it more brand personality. Nice. Now, the second one on your list was to use minimalistic page layouts. That's cool. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, 
There's no doubt that the smaller the information is on your website, the, the faster it'll load. So in other words, when I say smaller, the smaller file size. So if you clutter a lot of stuff into a single web page, it will be a lot slower. And obviously you don't rank as well when your website's slower. So if you think about your website from the point of view of your users and conversions, all you really wanna do on there is have anything that's going to contribute to building trust. And that's you know everything that we talk about with the six principles of influence, like you know anything to build your authority, consistency, urgency, and consensus, all those things need to be you know, congruent and obviously still on the page, but done in a subtle way and get rid of everything else, declutter everything. You know, you really want to make sure that it's aesthetically pleasing, easy to read, uncomplicated, and just get straight to the point. So I, I noticed with some of the examples you give, Greg, this is more about having a long flowing story rather than maybe your traditional, you know, sidebar with call, call to actions and lead magnets. But it's about putting those things into the page, flowing down the page, right? Like a more of a single column type layout. Yeah, it is exactly. I mean, look, every page has a different purpose, right? Your homepage is really a gateway. So you're going to have multiple sections on there, but try not to clutter it up and try not to have too many different, you know, things going on that don't draw your eye down the page, you know, like even just down to different background colors. You want to keep it, you know, to, and we'll get to this trend shortly, but to one background color because it's going to keep the flow, right? So, but yeah, you just want to, and then if it's not a homepage, if it's an actual page, you want to get rid of everything else on the page and just, you know, make the page flow better in a way that's, you know, visually appealing. You have the hierarchy of all the elements, the, the, the fonts and the graphics to draw the eye down the page. But yeah, in a minimalistic way, really just try and think of what you can remove is probably more to the point here. Not everything is going to contribute to uh, conversions. And then also, if you think about how that's going to look on a mobile device, then it's going to be a lot faster if you can replace some of the images just with flat colors. You're not always going to fit everything that you'll see on a desktop on a mobile device. So by removing some of the images, it's going to load faster and you might just want to replace them with some flat color to still keep the same look and feel throughout. Oh, that's nice. That was going to actually be my first comment is that a more minimalistic design transposes to mobile far far more easily and with the amount of people working on 3g 4g yeah. uh, smartphones and tablets it's a, it's a huge consideration yeah 100 percent, man so yeah just trying to think what you can take away all right and I'm, I'm conscious that we've got 12 so what's the next one <laughs> cool we'll try and fly through them so next one is sticky call to actions right so these things are hot in my opinion this is something that's really going to boost conversions so what we're talking about is you know you're probably familiar with a sticky top navigation meaning it's uh, when you're scrolling the top navigation remains static at all times right now, what we're finding on websites like Google, for instance, like shopping cart sites, they put in the, the call to action, it might be the buy now, either in the sticky top nav or in the footer nav. I've seen a lot in the footer nav lately, which is really cool. So yeah, just what it's doing is no matter if people, no matter where they are on your site, if they're scrolling, there's always going to be the main call to action that you want them to take in their view at all times. And if they are viewing it on a smaller screen, 
then that's taken up a higher percentage of the the screen size that you know that sticky call to action so yeah it's more likely to get clicked nice i actually wasn't sure what you meant about that i, I got the idea of the sticky but what, so what you're saying is whatever the next step is mm. in the process for your sales funnel whether that be to sign up for a lead magnet whether it be to get a quote whether it be to buy now instead of it being a static button somewhere on the page that somebody might have to search for that it actually just it's there all the time no matter where they scroll correct yeah exactly yeah do you have to be careful with that for mobile devices because i have noticed some websites and web apps that when you open it up they have a sticky component but it covers too much of the screen to be useful yeah it's a really good point you want to keep it quite like not very tall as in you know the height of that that sticky uh, navigation and call to action button you know then th i guess that's why a lot of people put it in the footer as well so it doesn't really get in the way of you know because most people are reading the, the top of the screen so that, you know that's why google put it in the in the footer and when i say google i'm talking about like if you google say google home you know that product right and if you look at that on a mobile device you'll see exactly what i mean there's actually a call to action to buy it in the footer and it doesn't take up much vertical space so you do want to be careful of how much vertical space you take up so you mean in like Google, oh, I see, yeah, yeah. So Google Home Mini, I'm looking at. Yep. As you scroll up, the buy button stays there in the top right hand corner. Yeah, but if you make that small uh, screen size to mobile view, you, you'll see it will flip Ooh, to the bottom. it pops to the bottom. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of out of the way, but it's always in view. Yeah, I, I like that. That's very, very good. Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's a much better use of the the sticky chat box. I know why people use those chat boxes, but I think this is, this is a much more elegant use of that space. Yeah, exactly. And what I like about it being in the bottom, as you're scrolling down the page, it's almost like the, the very next thing that, you know, is, is in your eye space the whole time. So I think it's probably more effective. I don't know for sure you want to test these things, but I think it would be more effective in the footer for that reason. Look, I, I have to say that apart from this being something that may increase conversions, right, I think it's also a great customer service thing, right? It's, it's like ease of checkout, yeah. right? If you're in a retailing environment and, and having that sticky means you don't have to search for it. You can take the next step without having to hunt. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've written that in the notes in the blog post as well, that it is a better user experience. It makes it easier for them so they don't have to scroll up and down all the time. So, yeah, it's a really good point. And that's why it converts better because at the end of the day, you're being more helpful. Definitely, definitely. All right, so the next one I'm excited to hear about, this is, and, and I think we might have to take a couple of minutes on this because I, I wouldn't mind you elaborating on this, but you're saying personalise the site's content to your customer with artificial intelligence. Yeah, so if you think about like Facebook, for instance, right, that what they display for you is relevant to your history on Facebook, including, you know, your closest friends and what you like and, you know, groups that you're a part of, all that. It's all personalized to you. Obviously, there's marketing in there. And once again, that's personalized to you as well. Um, so that's one example. And then if you think about Netflix, right? At the start of Netflix, it's like, who's watching? And then you pick your name or your family member's name. And then everything from that point is relevant to you know what you've watched previously. And it's based on 
an AI or you know an artificial intelligence algorithm that's going to serve up what they think you know you want to watch next for instance so how does that work for a new visitor that arrives on on your site or is this something once a customer or a client has a relationship with you so for example yes. an e-com site that's exactly right so that's probably the only downside of it that you will need to have started an account with that website okay so i mean it doesn't always have to be that way like they can serve things based on cookies you know but cookies don't last forever so if you know if if you've been on a site previously, you've been cookied, then, you know, usually within a month or so, that'll be forgotten about. But if you start an account with a website, then from that point, they can tailor all of the content specifically to your, you know, to your, I call it a bucket. It's almost like, you know, Ryan Levesque's uh, way of segmenting people. And it could be from the point of view that uh, could be based on your you know, previous, uh, previously consumed content. It could be your experience level, it could be your challenges, it could be categories, but essentially they're buckets. And then based on the bucket that you're in, they'll serve up cont- content that's most relevant to that bucket. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. And excuse me if this, listen, if this sounds like a novice question, but you know, like I'm not an expert in, in web. You know, when you go to websites, a lot of e-com sites now, when you go to the checkout, they ask you, would you like your tracking updates via, SMS or via Facebook Messenger and it shows you know it shows my Facebook account it asks is this you so how do they automatically know that that's me from Facebook is Facebook sharing that information with that that website yeah it's just a plug-in you can get it's that simple yeah right so is there a way is there gonna do you think there's gonna be a way to personalize content based on those kind of things like the accounts that you're logged into on your Google Plus and your Facebook and your Instagram when you go to websites they might be able to profile you a little bit better or do you think the privacy laws are still keeping that you know a long long way away well, yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know the answer because I'm, you know, obviously that's about the future. But I would say that what you're suggesting is a really good idea from a marketing point of view, but it might cross some of those privacy laws. So you probably want to look into that. But I think it's a great idea because then, you know, no matter, I think you'll find the whole web experience way more personalized and customized to you if you are logged into all these things and all these things are talking to each other. I think it's a, an awesome idea. Yeah, I think there's a big step to overcome with big data and uh, and privacy laws. By the way, uh, Greg, I'm really enjoying your sticky call to action on your website as we go through these points on the blog post. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> and I've got to say, unlike the button that that goes up into the into the header, it's actually much more subtle. Your call to action box, even though it's bigger and more prominent so it is cool. but obviously it's just on a, a desktop you can't do that on a on a mobile yeah it's a good one the next one what's the next one we've got all right so using depth and drop shadows properly and by properly i mean <laughs> <laughs> what do you think right drop shadows on buttons for instance they they died out well, i don't know what three four years ago do you remember when drop shadows were the big rage and and beveled buttons and and, you know, just to really make the button look like a button, you had to have a drop shadow on it and all that. And then three years ago, there's a new trend. It was all about flat design, no shadows whatsoever, right? But unfortunately, a button with a shadow will convert better on average with most tests, you know, through all the conversion experts that I follow compared to having a flat button with, for instance, no shadow, right? So, and then if you, 
if you think about the trend of flat buttons that didn't have rounded corners either, once again, it just looks like a flat rectangle, right? So a lot of people don't know that it's actually a button. So therefore, I'm happy to announce that drop shadows on buttons have come back in a big way and they convert better. Look, I, I laughed because, you know, it's so it was so 1990s, you know, designing with Photoshop where everything had a drop shadow on it. Yeah. And I do like that you say to use the drop shadows correctly, right? Because... <laughs> You know, the one thing that infuriates me is when people overdo drop shadows, make them too dark, have them going in the wrong directions. Yes. If you do it right, what it does is it layers your design. It gives a three-dimensional feel to a two-dimensional interface. And Spot on. I think that can have some real elegance and, and beauty to it. Although, maybe we'll talk about this in one of the points further down, but you know, with so many visual image-based elements, is it getting harder to make these websites load faster? Yes and no. I mean, look, there's obviously there's ways that you can, and we'll get to this later, but using SVG, which is scalable vector objects, and what that does with these sort of vector-looking elements as opposed to photos, they can load super quick because they're not pixelated images. They're actually just like a font, for instance. So... So, so, so the buttons, again, I'm not a web expert, so I'm, I'm going to ask the question that hopefully somebody else is thinking about, one yeah, of our yeah. listeners. But so these buttons, these beautiful buttons that I'm seeing as an example on, on the website, yep. those would be vector elements Correct. with a bit of code telling the code to make the shadow. Correct. Right? Spot on. But then you've got other elements where you've got beautiful graphics sort of diagonally laid out, flowing off the page with drop shadows. Those would be Images. pixel elements. Correct. They would be images. That's right. Yeah. So you don't want to overdo it. You just want to have shadows to give the page depth to attract t more attention to certain elements. Um, but, you know, you don't want to put it on absolutely everything. It's just a, a trend that you want to, you know, like all these trends, you want to use with caution. You want to test, but don't overdo it. They need to be professionally designed. All right. Sweet. And uh, this next one, I think, is fabulous because i was getting really really sick and tired of, of <laughs> yeah very straight very blocked design so the next one is using sexy and organic curves and shapes yes. in your designs and you've got some beautiful examples of that and I, and I really love it because i think that with that flat design that's been out for quite a while and the restricted uh, structure of websites over the last 10 years i think things have become really blocky and not very fluid and and they don't have a beautiful organic feel and this tell us more about how you how you might integrate this into your website yeah look you're spot on and the reason that this is only a sort of emerging trend hasn't been around forever is because of the fact that you know, web development was so rigid. Everything used to have to be in grids and only grids. And it was really only last year we started seeing that broken grid layout where, you know, developers can now, you know, code in a way that's not restricted to a grid. So therefore, you know, designers are creating broken grid, which is really cool and still cool today, right? But it's only a year old, that trend, so it's not going anytime soon. But now we're starting to see more organic. So designers are using broken grid as a you know using that concept as a way to introduce curves okay so now you can introduce curves and you pretty much it's almost like you don't have to worry about the code whatsoever when you're designing websites these days
ways. You can design whatever you want. You can use whatever shapes you want. And the beauty of curves is that it can help draw the eye down the page, you know, instead of it being completely rigid and rectangular. And, and so when your eye gets to the bottom of the rectangle, it kind of stops, right? But with curves, you can it encourages your eye to, to flow down the page a lot more. So that's what I like about the curve. Oh, definitely. And, and I think organic shapes add an element of softness to a design. They feel more natural. So, yeah. um, but, you know, I, look, I think that this one, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the the sites that, that you in particular do over the next 12 months with this more fluid feel because cool. I, I, I really I really think it'll bring a much nicer overall experience to web uh, and web design. So. You're right, and we've already started doing it, so they're not live yet, but I'll, I'll show you when, when they are for sure. But um, you're right, it, it does. And it, you have to be careful, though. Like, if it doesn't match your brand, then don't do it, you know what I mean? But it, it really can help with the flow of a page and just give it a nice, fresh, organic kind of look and feel. Yeah, but you know, like I've experienced brands that are very square and very uh, rigid and you can add in just very subtle curvature to supporting elements and just change the whole, still keep it within brand. But uh, like you say, you, you you don't, all these things that you're talking about that are trends don't, don't have to, you don't have to apply all of them to your website tomorrow, right? You You pick the ones that work for you and you stay on trend. Exactly, exactly. Now we are up to trend number seven out of 12. So I think we're halfway out. What do you think we uh, split the episode? Sure. How's that for a decision made quickly? Are we going to do this? <laughs> are we going to do the next one or are we going to leave that for the next episode? We're going to keep the listener hanging? Yeah, they're hanging. Hanging to hear it. All right. Well, I'm going to give them just a really subtle hint of what's coming, right? So there are tips on how to keep your site speed up with all these beautiful new design images, how to choose color to really maximize your page flow, some things that are really striking that you might look at and think, oh, that's a bit scary. But when you see it, when you see it on Greg's blog post, you'll say, wow, I really want to implement that. You know, going right down into yeah, selection of fonts and type uh, typesetting that to me is really gorgeous. I mean, the examples you've got there, Greg, are great. So dial into the next episode, get all of that, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.